Before we get started, a quick shout out to Law Tiger San Diego for sponsoring this episode. Check out lawtigers.com and give them a call if you're ever in a motorcycle accident. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Scenic Ride. I'm your host, Sana Bowman, and I'm so excited you're here. On this podcast, I will be taking you along on some of the best motorcycle rides in North America and beyond. In each episode, we're going to be diving deep into one scenic road and finding all the best riding in the area surrounding it. I will also be talking to experts and fellow riders with stories to tell, and together we're going to explore some of the roads less traveled. We'll be heading to remote gravel roads in Alaska and riding through some of the least visited national parks in the U.S. We're going to stop at weird roadside attractions and check out ghost towns and local diners. But we're also going to hit up some of the most famous and popular motorcycle rides in the world to see if they live up to the hype. We'll have plenty of extras to share as well, so stay tuned for route maps, itineraries, and bonus content. Are you ready? Let's do this. Since this is our first episode, I want to start by introducing myself a little bit more. I've spent the past several years as a travel writer and professional road tripper, and up until a few months ago, I was the editor-in-chief of a road trip magazine. But then I got laid off, and the first thing I did when that happened was to head out on a long road trip, as one does. Uh, Actually, the first thing I did was get COVID. It was a bit of a rough month for me. But as soon as I was feeling better, I hit the road. I'm based in San Diego, California, so I headed out on a solo journey from here on my Harley Pan America across the western United States for a few weeks. I rode through 11 states, uh, 9 national parks, and I saw some incredibly beautiful places. And when I got home, I started thinking about new ways to share my travels. I post about my trips on social media a lot already, but I wanted to go deeper. And that's how the idea for this podcast was born. There is nothing in the world that I love more than a good motorcycle road trip, and I'm on a constant mission to find the best and most scenic roads that exist in the world. To me, the best roads have amazing scenery and they're fun to ride which in my book means they're twisty, but not so technical that you're not able to relax and enjoy the view. I'm also on a mission to visit all 63 national parks in the U.S. I'm at 46 right now, so just a fair warning, we'll be talking a lot about national parks in this podcast. And actually, that's where I'd like to start this episode. Today, we are headed to Nevada and Great Basin National Park. Great Basin is located in east-central Nevada, close to the border with Utah, but otherwise it's not really close to anything. Because of this remote location, it's one of the least visited national parks in the U.S., with only 142,000 visitors in 2022, 
So just as a reference, the most visited national park is Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and North Carolina, and it had almost 13 million visitors that same year. I've been trying to visit Great Basin for years, but it can be tricky on a motorcycle because the weather in this area is kind of unpredictable, and it's also not really on the way to anything. But a few months ago, I finally made it, and it was so worth the effort. If you know me, you know I have a few mantras in life, uh, things that I live by, and this is one of them. If a national park has a road with scenic drive or scenic loop in the name of the road, I will always take a detour to ride it, because it is always a great ride. In Great Basin, this road is called the Wheeler Peak Scenic Drive. Now before we get to the road itself, let's talk a little bit more about Great Basin National Park. The Great Basin area is actually giant. It covers at least 200,000 square miles of the American West, including most of Nevada and also parts of Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Oregon, and California. People have lived here for more than 12,000 years, and many indigenous tribes have called or still call this region home. Great Basin National Park protects just a small portion of this region. It was designated in 1986, which happens to be the same year I was born, so it seemed like a good place to start for this podcast. There are only a few national parks that don't charge an entrance fee, and this is one of them. Great Basin is open 24 hours a day, all year round. But if you go in the winter, there will be snow, and both the scenic drive and at least one of the two visitor centers will be closed, so heads up. The park also has a famous cave system, the Lehman Cave, and uh, lots of hiking and camping opportunities too. But if you want to visit the cave, uh, make sure to make reservations at least a few weeks in advance because they sell out. All right, enough about that. Let's get to our scenic ride. The day before my visit to Great Basin, I was in Idaho. I was on the home stretch of a 16-day road trip where I'd had amazing weather the entire time. But riding south from Twin Falls, Idaho and into Nevada, it was pouring rain and super windy and probably about 40 degrees, and I was slightly miserable. But as I got farther south, it stopped raining, it cleared up, and even though it was still cold, I was surrounded by mountains in every direction. Mountains and pretty much nothing else. Northern Nevada is incredibly remote, but also incredibly beautiful. I rode about 330 miles that day of mostly straight, empty Nevada highway, and I even got to jump on Highway 50, which is known as the loneliest road in America. I stayed the night at the Border Inn Casino, which is just outside of Great Basin National Park. This is a gas station, motel, and restaurant in one that straddles the Utah-Nevada border. Luckily for me, the restaurant is on the Nevada side, so I got a very generous pour of wine with my dinner. Much needed. I could also see the mountains of the National Park from my motel room, so that was pretty neat. And the next morning, I got up early and headed toward the park. Uh, every time I visit a national park, I always stop at the park visitor center to get a sticker. And I did that this time as well. And while there, I asked a ranger if the scenic drive was safe on a motorcycle since it had been snowing and I didn't want to accidentally ride some icy, steep twisties. The ranger said he didn't actually know, so I just went for it and hoped for the best. Wheeler Peak Scenic Drive is named for Wheeler Peak, which is the highest mountain in the park at 13,000 feet. The road itself is only 12 miles long, one way, so 24 miles round trip, and it winds its way up the mountainside. 
since it's a national park, the speed limit is low, and I would suggest sticking to it since there are a lot of very tight blind turns, and there's also a probability of running into some wildlife. Uh, on the way up, the views are all mountains. I was completely alone on the road and barely saw another human in the park all day. It was early October, and the park had just had a pretty massive snowstorm a week or so prior. And since the road closes in the winter, I actually got really lucky that it was even open. And it was cold, but as I made my way up the twists and turns, I wasn't even mad. The trees were changing and the mountaintops were covered in snow and it was just such a gorgeous contrast. I took it slow and I stopped at several of the viewpoints on the way up. You can never go wrong with a scenic viewpoint, in my opinion. <laughs> the road ends at a campground at the top and there's definitely some snow on the ground still um, that high up. But I had my heated jacket and heated grips cranking, so I didn't mind. I do want to stress, though, that the weather makes this a little bit of a tricky ride. If you're coming from Las Vegas, which I think most people do, you'll probably be very hot at the start of the day and very cold once you get to the park. I came from the north, uh, so I was cold in the morning and then very hot in the afternoon when I got closer to Vegas. This is obviously doable. You just got to plan ahead and bring the proper layers. Once I got my snow pictures at the top of the scenic drive, I turned around and headed back down. And on the way down, you get these gorgeous, unobstructed views of the Nevada desert. It's such a remote area, there's really nothing around except desert and mountains, which is kind of true for most of Nevada. But the fact that I was all alone on this massive mountain, riding my motorcycle down a really fun and twisty road with these endless views in every direction, it just made me really happy. And I finally got to check off the only national park in Nevada from my list. I think Nevada is one of those states that get a little bit overlooked, probably because of how remote it is, but maybe also because it's right next to Utah and Arizona and California, which are all famous for scenery, national parks, and epic views. But I personally love Nevada. I find it to be a beautiful and fascinating place, and it's full of weird shit. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I love weird shit. Great Basin is really only a small part of a greater Nevada road trip. If you start in Las Vegas, you can make a big loop through the state and hit up some really cool spots. Just be prepared to ride a lot of straight, lonely roads. I think it's worth it, though, because the views are so amazing. Uh, it doesn't matter that the roads are straight. And the fact that all the highways are empty... It's just an added bonus. It's like a motorcyclist's dream. You have to be prepared, though, for if something goes wrong, uh, like carry water and extra gas. Uh, it's also a good idea to have a satellite device for emergencies and plan ahead because gas stations are few and far between. <laughs> One of my favorite places in the state is the extraterrestrial highway. The start of the highway is right in between Great Basin and Las Vegas about 100 miles north of Vegas, so it's a fun little detour, especially the first half of it, since that's where most of the alien stuff is. The Alien Research Center is a fun stop. It's just at the start of the route in a tiny town called Crystal Springs, and it's really just a souvenir shop with a big alien statue up front. It's also located right up against Area 51. And I don't know if you guys remember this or heard about it, back in 2019, but I was invested, so I was following it pretty closely. 
but someone put up a Facebook event called Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop All of Us. And I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a joke, but it drew a bunch of conspiracy theorists from all over the country. Now, did they actually storm Area 51? As far as I know, that definitely didn't happen. But I talked to one of the ladies who works at the Alien Research Center, and she told me that 6,500 people showed up that weekend, which is a lot for a very small town with only a couple of motels and campsites and not much else. I love a dumb souvenir, so I bought a Storm Area 51 fridge magnet at the research center uh, before hitting the road again. Okay, there's so much more to see in this area, but I'm going to leave it there for now. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be talking to Kristen Lassen about some of her favorite roads and places to ride in Nevada. I am here with Kristen Lassen also known as Lady Lassen. She lives in Las Vegas and is pretty prolific in the motorcycle industry. Uh, Kristen, welcome to the Scenic Ride. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this project. I'm excited to be a part of it, especially for one of the first episodes. This is very much an honor. I'm so excited to have you. Can you just start by telling me a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so... I'm all over the place in motorcycles. (laughs) Um, I've developed a lot of skills in the industry. It's mostly just focused on the passion for motorcycles in general. So I'm a certified motorcycle mechanic, um, went to MMI back in 2015, and I was specialized in Harley-Davidson. So I went on to work at Harley-Davidson dealerships and some aftermarket shops. During that time, I was also, you know, I've always been interested in photography and content and telling stories more so, um, the whole idea around storytelling and photojournalism. So with that on the side, I was kind of crafting a little business that just somehow manifested itself. Um, So I got to um, actually do a lot with motorcycle racing. So I dived into that area and that kind of became more all-consuming. So now I run a marketing and photography business based in motorsports and I get to play with my motorcycles on the side, I guess. Kind of flip-flopped it. (laughs) That's so awesome. And then you also, you're part of uh, Daughters of the Road. What What is that? Yeah, so Daughters of the Road, I started in, oh man, like 2015 ish. Um, it actually started out as a blog um, when blogs were pretty big <laughs> back in the day. Um, I started interviewing women all over, um, internationally, domestically. And it was really cool because I made so many connections that way. A lot of people that I got to meet in real life that I just met over the internet. So, um, for example, one was um, she's based in Belize <laughs> and she actually. Uh, owns a motorcycle adventure business where she rents out dirt bikes and gets to take people on tours throughout Belize. Um, So Emma was awesome and she let me interview her. And then I think it was seven years later, I actually got to go ride in Belize and link up and make that story kind of come true for myself. So that was really cool. Um, It actually, Daughters of the Road turned into a podcast this year. So we took it into a little more digital movement and it's been amazing. We've recorded, I think we're on the 12th episode we just released, and um, we're trying to do two monthly, aiming for that. 
Um, but yeah, we basically have women in motorsports come in and share their stories and their journeys and how they got to be um, where they are in motorsports. And that can be anything from motorcycles to um, airplanes to people on jet skis, you know, like anything with a motor, um, anything gasoline culture and just sharing that and getting more women excited about that in general. So it's been really cool. We've loved that process. It's so great. I've listened to the podcast and it's amazing. So everyone should go listen to it. So um, switching gears a little bit to talk about uh, what we're here to talk about today, which is Nevada and riding motorcycles in Nevada and specifically Great Basin National Park. So I did my little Nevada loop uh, and rode to the park this fall, right before the scenic drive uh, closed for the season. And you and a couple of other ladies went there last spring, I think early summer, maybe. And the road wasn't even fully open yet. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that trip? Yeah, so it was a collaboration effort between Daughters of the Road and Ride to Food, if you know Stacey Wilt. She travels all over, camps, gives insider tips on how to camp and how to ride alone by yourself with people, all the jazz. And it was really cool because we teamed up with Travel Nevada and um, Eagle Rider and some other companies, but mostly Eagle Rider and Travel Nevada to create this like kind of perimeter, I guess, uh, story going from east to west of Nevada. And we started in Vegas and moved our way up to Great Basin. And that was the official start of our um, loneliest highway trip. So it started in May and it was crazy because, you know, we think that's summer, kind of like going into summer. And when we got to Great Basin, it was still cold and it was still um, partially under snow. And I had been aware of that because the year prior, I actually went on a road trip with my brother. We went up to West Wendover, which is far north um, of Nevada, and um, we stopped in Great Basin. And same thing. I was in my Jeep, though, and um, went on to the scenic pass, and I got stuck in snow. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to turn this baby around. So it does get pretty treacherous up there. So if it is under snow, please do not try unless you are very uh, experienced in that. But um, I'm, yeah, I, I can't wait to do the whole ride, but just the ride that I've done, which is was pretty good. It was amazing. It was amazing out there. Yeah, I got to ride all the way to the top of uh, the scenic drive and there was snow on the ground, like when you got to the top and there was snow covered peaks in the distance. You know, you see Wheeler Peak as you're riding up and uh, there was also fall colors because this was, you know, in October. So the the combination of the fall colors and the snow covered peaks in the distance was just so incredibly beautiful. And I think that a lot of people don't think of Nevada necessarily as a beautiful state, but it is so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. I honestly never had Nevada on my radar. I never wanted to move to Vegas of all places. That was never a thought. I knew I wanted to move out west because that's what I envisioned, right? I envisioned like mountains and the wild, wild west. And I wanted to go do something where I could off road and, you know, kind of like be free in the American spirit. Never thought Nevada. I'm from Florida. So it was, I, I was thinking, you know, like California or Oregon or something. But 
when I came out to Nevada and I had the opportunity to actually explore it, blown away. This this state um, has more BLM land than it does just commercialized land. Like it's insane. A lot of protected areas and the nature is incredible. Like you said, there's snow-capped mountains in the summer and it'll still be warm when you're in the valley, but then you can go up and escape. Literally, I can go up to Mount Charleston from Vegas um, and you're like 30 degrees cooler. Great Basin was really cool because that was just, it was like an escape. So we went from Vegas up there and it's a dark sky park. So you can actually like camp out there. The astronomers are out there. You can like escape from, especially somewhere like Las Vegas, where you feel like, you know, you can't get it alone second, but you go out to places like this and you're literally just immersed in the most natural state of America as you can find it. So it's incredible. You have the trees, you have the dark sky park, you have the scenic ride, mountains, everything. It's the cave system. It's incredible. Have you been into the caves? I have not. Uh, that's one of my to-do lists. But we've we've gone to, you have to make special reservations. So that's another thing. If somebody does go out there, be prepared. Yeah, that's why I didn't go either. Because uh, like I told you earlier, I had to reverse my entire trip. So I had mm -hmm. no idea if or when I was going to make it to Great Basin. And there was no way to, to make reservations for the caves in advance. But yep. I, I hear they're pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, but you... You did talk about how um, if you go up into the mountains, there's like a 30 degree difference in temperature. So Vegas obviously gets very hot. It's hot pretty much year round. So how would you go about uh, planning a trip to northern Nevada? And when would you say it's the best time of year to go? I would say the height of summer. Um, it's perfect because you're sweating your butt off in Vegas and you that's all you want to do is escape so honestly going up to northern Nevada is perfect because if you can make a day trip out of it or you can just go camp um you'll get there pretty easily um I would say probably more so late June July would be optimal weather um it'll it'll still be fairly cold but as far as you know just uh, making it an escape totally recommend and also, there's a lot of great hot springs that you can find um, all over Nevada, really. But um, that's another great feature of this state is that you can escape any anytime. Yeah, I live in San Diego. So whenever I go anywhere, really, I pretty much have to pass through Vegas to get to like the rest of the country, either Vegas or Phoenix. And both those places get very hot. So as much as I would love to plan a trip in at the height of summer, it's like, how do I get through Vegas or how do I get through Phoenix to go to the places where it's actually nice and cool, but you just got to suck it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely do a lot of sucking it up here in the, in the summer. It's kind of like when, when people out North or up North um, are dealing with their snow season, I'm like, man, how do you deal with that? They say the same thing of our summer season. I'm just like, Oh, we just, we're lucky we get to sit in the air conditioning <laughs> or like go somewhere, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people, I, I think Nevada is like totally overlooked as a road trip state, uh, maybe because 
the roads are so straight, but but the views, I think, make up for it. I know a lot of people know about like Valley of Fire State Park is, is a big one. But what are some other things that you think anyone who visits Nevada should like absolutely go see? Yeah. So, oh, my gosh, there's so many. I mean, Tahoe is one that people kind of forget that they more so say that it's on the California side, but it's very much Nevada as well. And then all the surrounding areas, like there's a lot of Western and mining history in Nevada. So if you just go to all these little mining towns along the way, like even on the loneliest highway, you'll find so much to just deep dive into. Like I, I could stay there all day and try to figure out what went on in all these little towns, especially if you're a history buff. Um, you can you can just deep dive into all that and there's like the extraterrestrial highway there's a lot of you know things behind nevada being a really alien <laughs> alien space uh but that that's some fun stuff there's there's like i said a lot of history so there's a lot of scattered little tiny towns that you can spend a lot of time in um virginia city was really one of my highlights um it does feel like a little like throwback to western um times and and there was a lot of motorcycles actually in that area it's a very hill hill filled country um and i think that's kind of overlooked too because going through um the loneliest highway when you get into the western side of the state you are going through a lot of mountain passes so there are a lot of twists and turns and at one point we were like are we in like another country because this feels like Iceland or Greenland or I don't know one of those one of those areas that you just don't feel like it's the United States it's so freaking beautiful and there was snow up there too and it's like that was in May so it was just such a fun fun way to leave Las Vegas and and you know explore something different because you know not a lot of people think of Nevada like that and it's actually really gorgeous it is so beautiful. I was told several years ago, I did the Rebel Rally um, as a journalist. I wasn't participating in it, but that goes through some of the off-road sections of kind of Western Nevada, and then it goes into California. I saw so many beautiful places, but someone told me on that trip, and I have not been able to fact check this, so it may or may not be true, but someone told me that the state of Nevada has more mountains than the country of Afghanistan. And Afghanistan is a very mountainous country. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it kind of makes sense because there's so many mountains in Nevada. And that's something that most people probably don't know. Yeah, there's, I think it's like the most mountain peaks per like land square footage or something like I don't know. I don't know the exact thing, but there are a ton, a ton of mountains in Nevada, which is crazy. And cowboys galore too when you go up north <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's so remote and like not that many people live in the state outside of like kind of like a handful of bigger cities especially vegas let's talk about the loneliest highway then so that's highway 50 and you guys did the entire thing on your trip right mm -hmm. yeah we took pan americas from like you said we started in las vegas and then we went up to great basin officially started it and it was pretty cool because we should have been a little prepared, but we were trying to fill out this little passport book and you can get them at the gas stations. When we went to the gas station at the very start where um, where we were trying to start the journey, they were out and we were like, oh no, we can't get our passport book. 
dance. So there's like all these little, little like um, offices or gas stations or little like landmarks that you can go stop in and they'll stamp your passport saying you've been there. So it kind of makes it a little fun thing. You can submit it to the, to the state when you finish it and they'll give you a certificate that you completed it. Um, but when we got to the gas station, there wasn't any more, but luckily there was, um, some guys in a, a pickup truck and they were like, Oh yeah, we've got three extra ones. If you want one, <laughs> we're like, well, that was random, but that's amazing. So we ended up starting our journey and we were able to complete the whole, um, loneliest highway route and get a little certificate saying we did complete it. So it was really cool. But, um, yeah, we, we did the span from east to west and visited all the little cities in between. And yeah, it was it was a trip to remember for sure. I would have never thought of the state to look like that. I like I said, I went up to North uh, Nevada, West Wendover, but um, this was a completely different experience. It was it was amazing. Yeah, would you? So I'm I'm glad they do the passport thing because obviously the it's been dubbed the loneliest road in America because of how few things there are along the way. Like there's nothing there in that part of the country, pretty much. So at least that gives you something to do while you're riding it. Would you recommend riding that road, or like is it a fun ride, or is it more of an experience? I mean both, but yeah, I I definitely felt like it was beautiful I mean I love the long stretches of highway and sprinkled in between like I said with those little cities there are a lot of great riding where you have basically like little um, switchbacks through the mountains and stuff and that was really awesome and it was kind of a relief to get to those places but when you're out there just like going on these long stretches of road there's like no cars literally it's it's lonely but it's so relaxing, so peaceful. And then there's mountains on either side of you. And you're just like, going through this valley. And it's just, it's, it's a different experience. But I totally recommend it just, you know, you feel like one of the first pioneers going through that area. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It really does feel undiscovered in a way because of how remote it is. Um, you said you're originally from Florida, so that to me feels like the polar opposite of Nevada in many ways. Uh, how would you compare the writing in, in Florida versus Nevada? So I think that's why I find it so magical, right? <laughs> like <laughs> when I was down in Florida, it was it was very much straight lines, um, but you had the beaches to de- detour off to. That was pretty much the main. That was a staple. Like you ride to another beach. Um, and then there's uh, wetlands in between. And I was very much into like permaculture and like learning about the different ecological systems in Florida. And I, I love that. I love how it is there. But also I knew I wanted to experience something different. So, yeah, I definitely feel like every time I even I mean, even you can explore around Las Vegas and within the circumference of like 30 miles and you're just I, I'm in awe every single time. So. It's super exciting and it's, you know, I definitely recommend it to anybody who hasn't journeyed out west. I think Las Vegas is also such a good starting point for pretty much any Western road trip because of how, you know, the proximity to other areas. Like it's not that far to go to Idaho or uh, Utah is just around the corner. Uh, Arizona, too. You can get so many places within a day's trip from Vegas that, you know, 
me in San Diego, I have to add an extra day because I have to get to Vegas first. And then I can start, you know, going to all these other places. So you guys are pretty lucky out there. Yeah, we've got Colorado. I mean, Colorado is like a 12 hour, eight hour, 12 hour trip. And then uh, Arizona, like we can go to Phoenix in five hours or we can go to Flagstaff. And then, I mean, they're exactly like you said, it's, it's just a perfect little zone to be able to branch out wherever you want. Um, I always recommend people flying into Vegas and getting an Eagle Rider because we do have a pretty big hub here and then um, start their trip there. So you, you know, you have everything ready when you start in Vegas and then, you know, we're here to welcome you obviously, <laughs> but then branch out and go, go see the wild west. It's amazing. I love that. Is there anything else you want to add or want to talk about and, you know, regards to Vegas or riding around there or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on a lot of good points, especially with Vegas specifically. Um, we have the state parks, the Valley of Fire, Red Rock Canyon, Scenic Loop. We have uh, Mount Charleston. They're all so entirely different. Like you can have all these insane insane experiences of land and the different types of geography i guess i don't know how you would even describe it like it's like you're on mars and then you're in the mountains and then (laughs) you see the red rocks and you're like what is this place because it's all within like less than an hour of each other and you're like how the heck can this actually be a real thing but it's all there for you to experience and i think that's why you know so many people they they need to not overlook the natural state of where we are in Vegas. Like it's, it's just a phenomenal area. If you get out of the strip, (laughs) get out of the strip for sure. Yes, (laughs) I totally agree. Um, If people want to follow you or see what you're up to, where can they find you? I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, everywhere you can go um, as Lady Lawson. Great. Thank you so much for doing the show. I really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. It's my honor. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much to Kristen for joining me, and thank you so much for listening. Just a few quick things before we go. Uh, If you want to actually take a Nevada road trip and visit all the places we just talked about, I would highly recommend joining our Patreon. I'll be sharing detailed maps and custom-made itineraries for each episode of the podcast with all the stops we mentioned today and a lot more, and you'll also get access to other bonus content. If you go to our website, thescenicride.com, you'll find links to the Patreon, you can sign up for our newsletter, and you'll find all episodes with show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to our first episode, and I hope you'll join me for the next one. In the meantime, enjoy the ride. The Scenic Ride is written and produced by me, Sana Bowman. Our theme music is by Ryan Sin. If you like the show, please rate and review it and tell your friends to listen. For all the latest updates, follow at The Scenic Ride on Instagram and Facebook or visit thescenicride.com. Mm-hmm.